I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Laurie Brown, and you're listening to The Sick Boy Podcast. Isn't this crazy? Okay, so first of all, I just want to say how... I mean, so it, when we generally record, uh, we usually all have headphones right now. I'm the only one ha- with headphones because we're missing a p- key component to our, our, our tech here. Go a bit further into uh, it. Let's explain exactly what's happening. I'm wearing these headphones right now, and I'm checking the levels. We're in Toronto. We're not in our normal recording studio. And Lori, you speak into the mic, and it is, it's one of the most jarring things because... The three of us because are... your voice is so abrasive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it's, it's your voice is so so familiar, and so it's just such a like. It's it really is a trippy experience to like just and even just when you walked in the room and just speaking to you. It's and now I get it when when I'm walking down the street and I'm saying something, and someone in Halifax goes. Wait, you know I know that voice. That voice. Yeah. And I, I've never understood that like until I know and you're like, like right wow, this moment. you really place that. Yeah. I've yeah. had somebody say that to me and go, and I'm like, whoa, you can just you just notice by my voice. Yeah, which I never got I was like, how do you really? Like yeah. voices aren't that But distinct. you know, when you're on radio or when you're doing podcasting, that's the only thing, the only tool you've got is your voice. Mm-hmm. When you're on TV or something else, it's visual first, right? Mm-hmm. Our brain always processes the visual stuff first. Yeah. And it's so busy looking at all the stuff to take in that voice is way in the back and you, people don't notice it. But when you're on radio, that's the only thing that they've got to yeah. chew on. And which is funny when we always we always do that thing where we try to make like even subconsciously we make the visuals ourselves. I remember the first time I ever saw Ira Glass, mm-hmm. like what he looked like. I, I was so disappointed because it wasn't the Ira Glass that I had like. He formulated. was really hot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He was this hunk. <laughs> I mean, he's still a hunk, but it was a different type of hunk. No, uh, yeah, it was. He just looked way different than what I had, I, had, I had like grown to know and love in my own brain. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's the thing that I find the most interesting is that I find that hearing a voice, if you're listening to it in headphones and you're you're on your own somewhere, it's it's such as this such such an intimate experience mm-hmm. because it's like right there inside of yeah. you. And when you feel like you're connecting with <coughs> what the person is saying, you can't help but feel like you're connected to them as, as an individual too, which is what, like one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of yours, Lori, because I feel like some of the most intimate experiences that I've gone through in my life, I've been listening to your voice and it's kind of helped me to get through that. Well, wow. let's, uh, let's, for anybody out there who's listening going, who is this woman that you're talking about? What is this? What is this? The shower of praise that is raining down right now. Um, My name is Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking with Lori Brown and Lori, if you haven't known, she ran a show called The Signal for years and years. Um, when did it, when did it start? On 2007. 2007. We, it was 10 on years. On CBC Radio 2. And yeah. I know Brian and I have been huge fans probably since around 20 2009 2010 we probably, became yeah. really big yeah. fans and i know jeremy's very, very <laughs> familiar with it as well mm-hmm. um and you know that show was was pretty like revolutionary for for brian and i i know i didn't even really know jeremy then yeah but. like i i've listened to it a number of times but i remember when i i met you taylor and and then when you know the three of us started hanging out you got, and this is one of those things where I'm like, we should have spoke about this before we started recording, where I should have been like, all right, guys, listen, uh, let's avoid 
fanboying super <laughs> yeah. over Lori. Uh, but like, there's a yeah, tight like, five minute window for fanboying. Yeah, and then we gotta yeah. get straight well, professional. Well, what is kind of crazy is like right now we are sitting, we're sitting in a room where, you know, I think it's probably safe to say that, and, and I'll remove myself from this because I'm, I'm not in the same boat as the two of you, but like you guys are sitting in a room right now with, with one of your idols, which is kind of neat because you, the, the amount that you guys have talked about the signal specifically and how it's like shaped your, your adolescence, you know, you're like, you're the, the formative years of you growing up and like turning into an adult. Um, it's the, I'm really excited to see what, like, this is just so fucking cool. Like this is super cool. So So, we, I mean, so we, we would, we came upon your show when we were 18, 19, but 19, 19, 20. And Brian and I were both going through like a period in our lives where we were transitioning from uh, an athletic career that we, you know, we would have had professional aspirations for. And as you, you know, you come to that age where it's kind of like a make it or break it and you either do it or you don't. And we weren't. So, you know, when you have something like a sport in your life that you've done since you've, you know, were a small child and now it seems like that's coming to an end and you don't really know what you're going to do and what what does what does a working life look like or what does university look like um and your music that was that you were playing with the signal was and the way even more specifically the way that you speak about the music mm. and the way that you introduce the themes and the ideas around the music were really really um profound for us and i feel like it it gave us a connection to not only to amazing new music but in a way to think about music and and the power that music has um, and the kind of the themes that come up from it. How did that all start? How did the signal start? Was that was that your your like brainchild? Yeah, I went to Radio Two and said I want to do I want to do radio, and I brought one piece of music with me, and it was a song called Phoenix by Sibeli, and she is a South American artist. It's amazing, and it was a music I'd never heard anywhere else, and it just it w- created a whole new world. And they put me together with Andy Shepard, and we we mind-melded as far as musical tastes go, and we put this thing together, and whammo, we had a show, and away we went. And I, I made a decision right at the very beginning that I wasn't going to be a DJ, and I wasn't going to write down what I was going to say. I wasn't going to read it. I was going to be another listener just listening to the music and whatever came up in my head Mm. while I was listening to the music, I was going to talk about it. So I wanted to be on the exact same, in the exact same headspace as people listening. Mm -hmm. And then I started to worry because I was talking about some deep shit, you know, like, uh, like really terrible, like depression and anxiety and loneliness and death and all this stuff because it was in the music. Yeah, it like brought and it out of you. Like, it, like it well, just, if I'm going to talk about the music, that's what's there. Yeah. And I thought, man, this is a real downer. Mm-hmm. And my sister said, the signal, music to slit your wrist by. Jesus. But I thought, you know. I can I swear? Oh fuck yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. Okay, that's exactly what I thought. I said, "Fuck it. If this is what the artist is writing about and this is what's important, this is what I'm going to talk about." Mm-hmm. Um because we're all thinking about all this stuff all the time, but how many places do you actually get to talk about these kind of things like Mm. you guys are a perfect example you're talking about stuff that most people just want to shove out of the way Mm -hmm. it's too awkward so what was that what was that like i mean what we're always trying to promote this kind of this health around a conversation or this we're trying to promote a a certain type of comfort around talking about this this tough stuff um how did you feel when you started when that started to be what what came out of the music that you were playing like did you find that it was challenging for you to, to 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 speak that way about the music did you get uncomfortable did you did you have any you know you meant you mentioned that you were going oh shit like yeah this is what's coming out of this music heavy is this stuff. okay yeah. it was heavy stuff and then i also was realizing as i was learning more about radio how intimate it is right and how how suggestive it might sound to certain people 
And I became intensely aware that there are people, particularly late at night, in really bad places, right? Mm. And uh, I had to figure out how far I could go and still... I guess I wanted to offer a service to people. I wanted it to feel like a safe place where anything could be talked about, but there would it would still have a comfort zone to it, even though mm. it was about dark stuff. I think I think that that's what I'm kind of realizing now is that I, I said earlier that there was this intimacy that was created, but I, I think that's the result, and the result is through the vulnerability that that you express in. in in creating that environment and and openly talking about those things yourself too, and I I'm interested to know because I I oftentimes would find myself late at night listening to your show, and it would bring me a lot of comfort, um, especially if I had a bad day. So how did that did that provide like that type of safe spot for you as well, or did you find that you were kind of shouldering a lot of the weight through? Mm. Through being that kind of ear or that, that no. voice. Uh, it became my best time of the day, too, in the studio. Uh, it was a very, you know, like it's a very protected zone. There's mm-hmm. no there's no phones. There's no people. There's, you know, I had barely any light. I was alone. I could create the, whatever kind of space I wanted. So it was always my best best part of the day was recording the show. How much of, how much of your, how much did you learn about yourself in that process of like, of like, of diving into that music and exploring that music and, and, and especially not having, not knowing what you're going to say and just allowing the words to kind of flow out of you. I learned to take risks, Mm. uh, and be bolder and braver because coming from a career in television where it's all about, you know, the smooth segue and it's yeah, all about yeah. maintaining a kind of professional gloss to what it is you're doing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get rid of that. And sometimes I would back off and I'd get scared. Like I would think of something that I really wanted to talk about and then I'd, I'd lose my nerve, you know, and I'd mm-hmm. pull back. And every time it was always the wrong choice. And I learned that when I pushed myself and went a little further that was the thing. All of a sudden, that you know, Twitter would light up or, you mm-hmm. know, Facebook would light up and people go, I think that all the time. Mm-hmm. But no one's ever said it out loud or something mm-hmm. like that. So it was, they were very encouraging. The audience is very encouraging for me to go further and to, and to be more vulnerable. Did you get a lot of, uh, did you get a lot of feedback? Like a lot of people, outreach of people... You know, people like Brian who reach out and say, you are my, you're like a beacon of light in, yeah, the, in the nighttime I, that I'm... I did. Not in the first few years, I didn't. I thought I was just speaking into a vacuum, frankly. <laughs> yeah, right, like, right. Who's out there? But yeah, more and more people have come forward and told me. And it's it's fantastic because I didn't go in thinking that it was going to be helpful for people and that... People were going to appreciate it like this. So um, it's been really gratifying to me. To he- it's just so wonderful to hear that. Mm-hmm. It's really funny how uh, in, you know, like you said, in the first few years, you didn't really get a whole lot of feedback like that. And, in you know, the same kind of with us, we, we didn't really know what we were doing until someone told us. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we, we yeah. set out with an, int- we set out with, you know, some intention, some, yeah, we, you our intention what? was to make dick jokes and talk about my CF <laughs> yeah. for like an hour. And yeah. then, and then, and then, and then, and then, and then someone's like, anyway, hey, aside from the dick jokes, uh, what you guys are doing is kind of, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And you set out to, you know, produce music and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and produce a show that, that was, that had great music. And then, you know, you start hearing like, this is what this is doing and this is what this is bringing out. And you kind of find out what you're, what you're doing after you've already um, begun. Which probably means that that's the right way to do it because you're doing what feels natural and you're just doing it. And then someone else puts it it together for you and you go, yeah, Yeah, that's it. That's it. And it really has been that for us because Mm -hmm. we've shaped what this show is around what, not, I mean, we stay, we stay true to ourselves. Around the quotes that the media has given us. (laughs) I mean, we stay true to ourselves. CBC said this thing once, so I guess that's kind of what we're doing. (laughs) Actually, that was, that was what we did. I remember it was dying. uh, Yeah, we were on an, we were on an interview uh, early on when we first started and um, it was with uh, Diana Swain 
And yeah. the the caption at the bottom of the screen was Sick Boy Podcast, like colon dying with laughter. And we were like, oh, we're we're like, like, oh that's our tagline. Yeah, that's, that's our perfect. tagline. Yeah. And we were like, are we allowed to do that? Is that cool? <laughs> um, something you mentioned is uh, was that how people feel late at night. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was always, I felt like a, a major theme of, of your show of go, starting at 10 and, and kind of starting with the, that more accessible, um, maybe more in the popular sphere of music mm-hmm. and then kind of running into these like really wild ambient sounds as it got later and closer to midnight. Um, you have a new show since you've, since the signal has ended called Pondercast. Yeah. It's a, a podcast. podcast. A podcast. Yes. Crossing over go. to the wild west of the podcast world. Yeah. And I love it because this is just another step of going further mm-hmm. and pushing myself further. And uh, it's experimental at this point, but the response has been fantastic. And we're we're going to step up production and it's going to become a thing. At first it was like, okay, once every three weeks I'll put one Mm. out. But I think after Christmas we are going to be um, making a big push to Mm -hmm. do them more often. And I I just love the freedom of that. So, I mean, just to to plug the shit out of this thing for you, Lori, uh, if you you haven't heard of PonderCast... you know what? I would never say this, but right now, just pause. Just <laughs> pa- just fucking pause this episode for a moment. Especially if it's nighttime. Yeah. And, oh, especially oh, yeah, if it's definitely. night. And go over and just listen to the first episode. And you will, I guarantee, you will be so hooked by by just the... the it, it, is, it is one of the most um, hypnotizing and, like, beautiful audio shows I've I've ever That's listened really to. Good way Actually to the it. second wow. episode really fucked me up in like the best way possible. And that's where yes. I wanted to go with, oh. with the night with the night piece. Yeah. Because the hour of the wolf. So the second episode <laughs> is called The Hour of the Wolf. And and the way that you kind of like ran through this whole nighttime experience and almost like taking control of the night. Mm-hmm. Taking control. It's kind of like when I, I mean I feel like if you think about anything long enough, you can piece it together and relate it to what you do. But it's sort of kind of what we're trying to do with illness. Like you're taking control of the night, taking control of the conversation about how you feel and how you live with illness, Um, which really landed with me the whole, you know, having turning the night into this experience where you can explore the world in a totally different way that you can't during the day when there's Mm -hmm. traffic and, and busyness and everything. And, this was a really kind of one of the one of the things that we were doing when we were getting into the signal back in the day was Brian and uh, his twin, his identical twin brother, Dennis. We would go longboarding around Halifax, but we'd go at like 2 a.m. Right yeah. on. And so yeah. there'd be no there'd be no cars on the road. Mm. And a lot of our the playlists and the music that we would listen to while we were longboarding and we just go and find the biggest hills and skateboard down them and. And but we do like a big tour of the city of Halifax. We go all over, and and a lot of the music that we were listening to was stuff that we were listening to because we found it on the mm-hmm. signal, um, and it provided this amazing soundtrack to the night. And the night was one of the most exciting <coughs> times for us mm-hmm. because it was the time where we got to own our city, and mm-hmm. you know the cars got off the road, mm-hmm. and there was nobody commuting to work, and there's barely anybody around, and it just felt like it was yours, and. It was set to the soundtrack that was largely provided by from listening to the show. <laughs> and it completely changed it completely changed my relationship to nighttime and yeah. how I experienced the dark. Speaking of the soundtrack, so as someone who, you know, I, I identify as a music lover. Like mm-hmm. I love finding new music. I love, you know, it, like s- just sitting down, spending a few hours kind of scouring the Internet, blogs, whatever, just to find new music. What? through the your work through the signal and even through pondercast like how do you how do you find your music what's your what are your sources well it's really changed over the last 10 years cuz when uh when the signal began there was very little of this kind of music around and mm. we had to hunt like crazy it was hard it was really hard but as the show got uh, more audience and people knew about it and artists knew about it 
artists who never thought in a million years their music would ever get played on the radio were contacting us saying, well, uh, what about this? And so they started to come to us. So I'm in a great position now, even after the signal's over with Pondercast, because I'm still doing music on mm-hmm. some Pondercast, they're coming to me and saying, what about this? Will this work for Pondercast? And so it's easier for me now mm-hmm. because it, it's kind of like everyone knows the flavor. Everyone knows sort of what my voice and what what I produce is all about. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier. And is that the music? Is that the type of music that you generally, if you are... Just to, you know, you're not working, you're at home, you're just going to sit down and jam That's my music. That's That's my music. Yeah. Okay. One of the things that I'm interested about is, uh, is this whole part of your life right now as a, as a transition, um, because you, you, you did the signal for 10 years and then all of a sudden there's this kind of like stepping into the unknown, this exploration of, uh, of, of starting this new podcast and it kind of reminds me of the transitional time that I was in when I when I first listened to the signal. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering what types of feelings and emotions are kind of going on inside of you right now. I am actually I'm really exhilarated and excited and I have very little fear about this next thing. Mm-hmm. But I've been getting better at that as I go through my life. You get, you start to know by experience that all the fear and anxiety you had about doing something new, it all worked out okay in the mm-hmm. end. You know, maybe it didn't turn out the way you thought it would, but it all worked out okay in the end. And eventually, <laughs> eventually you learn to trust those, you trust your experience. So I'm okay with that. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. This could all, you know, fizzle out and that'll be it in a year and I'll go and do something else. I don't know. Right. But I don't think so. Because I really want to do it, and I'm just going to put my head down and do it. Mm-hmm. So I think that at this point, I think of myself as an artist, and I'm just going to do my art until yeah. something happens, mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. I get sick, until I get hit by a bus, or until mm-hmm. you know, caring for a, a child or a parent takes over, whatever. I'm just going to go, go, go. Right. One of the things that uh, I mean, Jeremy just did this TED talk, and it was it was all about. That's amazing. Yeah, it was, it was a it was a huge honor and like a very overwhelming experience to say I the bet. least. But yeah, it was it was very cool. And like I, I was I was I told Jerry right after. I mean, I've seen him deliver a number of uh, talks and speeches and keynotes and and the the TEDx Toronto one was so profound um, in this way where it just makes you want to live your life to the fullest and, and, and soak up each and every second of each and every day. And it sounds like Lori, like you've come to that realization, but was, was there something along the way that kind of triggered that or, or shone, shone a light on that in, inside of you? Or do you feel like you're there? I'm almost, I'm getting there. I'm in, I'm moving in the right direction. The thing that got me that really changed my whole life uh, was nine eleven to tell you the truth? Really? No way. Yeah, I had small kids, um, and I just—it was just a huge wake-up call for me. And the next thing that happened after nine eleven is I quit my job, and the next thing that happened right after that is my marriage. I left my marriage, <laughs> and so there I was, like a, a total reinvention time. Right. Um, is this all like in a pretty short period of time? Yeah. Wow. Oh my yeah. gosh. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so it was one of those total reinvention things and I just wanted to do something really, <coughs> I wanted to approach life very differently. So that was the beginning of a brand and a huge amount of growth has gone on since then. It's mm-hmm. been, you know, over 10 years and, and it's a huge amount of growth and I just keep sort of trying to move forward and like you say, like in the TEDx talk, when you find the sort of the voice to use mm. and when you're actually being authentic about what it is you're saying um, and putting yourself on the line, just the flood back from people and you know you've hit the vein, mm-hmm. right? And you've hit a vein where you feel good about being there 
it feels right and mm-hmm. it feels real and and you know because the communication it becomes so intense with people mm-hmm. uh, and the feedback becomes important mm-hmm. and so when I've found that vein now and so that's what I need to do mm-hmm. there's something about authenticity that is so uh, magnetic you know in the way that when you're being authentic and when you're when you're really being true to yourself and, 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 and speaking in that way. And, you know, not, you know, I went through, I went through a, a lot of time in my life, mo- mostly in my adolescence. Um, and was fortunate enough to, to kind of see my way out of it. But I, I, I walked around with a lot of ego with a, you know, suit of armor on, you know, the person that you think other people want you to be. Yeah. You definitely um, don't do that now. Definitely don't do that now. I'm, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm everything that I need to be. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and, uh, and that can be like kind of that can be crippling to 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 wear that armor for for a long time. And when you start being authentic, like you said, you start getting this feedback from people because like because you know I think that there's a lot of people out there that aren't authentic. Mm. And when they when they see uh, authenticity in in somebody else, it's very um, it's very like inspirational for other people to want to st- start to kind of like shed some of the shit that they that they kind of carry around with them. Well, to be, to be authentic, you have to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So like be, to be real, you have to be okay with putting your flaws out there too. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause that's the part of the big part of authenticity that we're all afraid about mm-hmm. showing our real selves. You so Lori, you were saying that you went through this pretty like transitional period, a nine 11 happened, uh, which, which like, you know, essentially, fundamentally shifted you was that also the reason for like the like the you know did 9-11 happen you were like oh god i need to get a divorce Uh, it was a kind of you know it was a wake the fuck up moment right right? sure sure sure, sure. about everything yeah and i looked and i and i started to look inside and realized i was not happy Mm. and i started to picture would the rest of my life be like this forever? Would mm. I be like this at 50 and at 60 and mm. at 70? Would I be in this situation? Would it feel like this? So it was just a wake the fuck up and and become vulnerable and step into the unknown and um, let go of everything that I was hanging on to that I thought was security. <laughs> it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was I was drowning. Mm. Being someone who's who's so passionate about music, was there any music at that point in your life that you would kind of lean on for support? Yeah, like like music that like guided you through this reawakening. This you know, rebirth. it was really weird. At first, I listened to nothing. I listened no music because nothing seemed to be right. And then I had this weird urge to go back and listen to every piece of music I fell in love with right from the time I was like 12 and 13. Oh, cool. Which is not me. Like, I am not nostalgic. I don't, you know, play Steely Dan. Um, yeah. But I had this uh, this thing, and I went right back to the beginning, and I started to play everything. And I remembered why I loved the music, but I also remembered who I was when I listened to that music. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Before I got beaten down, before, you know, life kicked the shit out of me, Mm. I remembered who that girl was. And I remembered uh, her confidence and her enthusiasm and her passion. And I found myself, by listening to all that music, my my music, Mm. I found myself again in that, Mm. which was... So weird because it was not conscious at all. It was completely unconscious. It was just this little thing I had in the, my head that I should go back and, you know, play that old Sparks mm. album or whatever mm-hmm. it was. I, I listened to when I, you know, in the in the digital age and that I you know I've had, you know, a handful, not a handful, like probably <coughs> three or three laptops over the course of my kind of like adolescence and now and, and I have an iTunes, different iTunes library on each of them and you know, if I could go back and access that computer that died that had the iTunes library on it, it would be full of this <laughs> It'd music. It would be amazing. That would, that, would tra- that, would, that would just send me back. Um, but I, I feel such a visceral connection when I listen to a piece of music that I fell in love with, you know, whether, what, whatever age I was. It's so, it's so visceral that I almost feel like not only can I start to feel like I am that, that boy again listening to that music, and, you know, 
thinking of the girl that I was in love with to that piece, mm. that, that music in grade seven or grade whatever. And, but I almost feel like I can almost like smell, like if it was summertime, I can almost smell the smells of summer. Like it's yeah, yeah. so visceral. It yeah. literally just launches me yeah. right back to that. I can almost remember, you remember the setting, what my house looked like, what my room was like, what my friends were like, what my everyday activities looked like, like what your school days were like. Mm. It's so, it's so intense what music can do and how yeah. it can bring you back that way. One of my mm. favorite things is, um, is coming across a piece of music accidentally that you forgot that played you such a pivotal role yeah. in your mm-hmm. life. Like the other day I went and got a tattoo and, and as soon as I walked in my, my tattoo artist, and this actually happened the last time I went to get a tattoo from him. Same thing happened, completely different band. But I walked in and The Offspring was playing. It was like, my friend's got a girlfriend and he hates that bitch. And I was like, man, this is this is all I listened to when I was like in grade, you know, whatever, seven, eight, nine, ten. And he played the whole album through and it just like. Is that Americana? Is that what that was? Yeah, Americana. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I totally forgot that that album existed. And now it's just it's on repeat. Like, I can't stop playing it. But it's not I don't think I, I don't. I don't think it's a nostalgia thing mm. that makes me go back to it. I think it's a, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it like, because it, it is, I still truly really love the music and, mm-hmm. and I, I don't find myself listening to it and, and feeling like I'm back when I was, you know, back when things were the way they were or anything like that. It's. Yeah. It's not that you're pining for those days mm-hmm. at all. It's just, you're just remembering the rush of joy you got yeah. from the music. And yeah. the way that our brains do that with with music that we love is that when, once you fall in love with a piece of music and you are expecting the thing to happen, right? Like mm-hmm. that, that shift into the chorus that gives you mm-hmm. such pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's anticipation. And then when you get it, it's just like, yeah, yeah. yes, that's yeah. what I was waiting for. <laughs> and you're yeah. in it and you're, 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 we're such different people over the years. And when you listen to a piece of music where you were a totally different person and you had mm-hmm. different priorities and different goals and your you know, social circle is completely different, you almost, you get access to another life. For a moment, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you're, you're you who you are now, but you have, you, it almost gives you that access to another person um, mm-hmm. that you were once, once before in time. And it, it kind of, it actually, I, I believe you, you mentioned this in the third episode of Pondercast, where you're talking about uh, being a weirdo and, and you're, you feel like you're the only weirdo and you, you, because you like this band and you know that like no one else really likes this band. And then you go to the show and. Yeah. You get there and you, you go to see their live show and you look around and you're like, what are all, what are all these fucking weirdos? And you realize like, oh, you know what? I, I am a weirdo and I'm surrounded by weirdos and there's, that's all right. And that's, that's the thing. So coming back to Offspring, like I was the only one of my friends that was into Offspring and because everyone else was in Lower Sackville was super into rap. And I do love myself. I'm very, very heavy rap listener, but I was also really into like, kind of like skate, like punk music. And mm. no one was listening to that at that, you know, in my social circles. And it made me feel like a weirdo. Yeah. And then going back and hearing it again was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm still that weirdo. Like yeah. that weirdo still exists in me. Yeah. I love that. So there, there is this like power to music. Right. And, and <laughs> especially when it comes to pivotal moments in our lives or, or really like intense moments in, in our lives. And, I know that we had kind of, I think we had, we had mentioned to you, um, that we were, we were curious to know what your thoughts were on, on the use of music through stages of grief Mm -hmm. and, and if you have any insights into, uh, or just, just thoughts on what music you have been drawn to or that you use or that you've suggested to people for, for that exact thing like mm-hmm. going through grief and and using music as a tool to like as a, as a source of therapy mm-hmm. it's i find that there are, <laughs> there are two kinds of people and in, in the way that they use music um some people use music to change their mood mm. they don't like the way they're feeling so they put something on to change their mood mm. and then there are other people who 
put on music that that matches their mood. They want to they they want to feel wrapped in the same kind of feeling that they're experiencing. And I am one of the second people. Mm, and I think I. a lot of people are and I don't mind if I'm having a really cruddy day and I'm listening to really low music. Like mm-hmm. it's I find it comforting actually mm-hmm. because at the end of the day or any time of the day talking about grief um can be exhausting and it is so attached to your own story right so when you're experiencing grief you're thinking about what you're sad about who you lost or what the problem is and the story just goes around and around and around in your brain um the beauty of finding music that that matches that mood is that it it almost takes your story out of it and just allows you to experience the emotion mm. without the story, right. which well. is the exhausting part, right? Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, try to get through your day without feeling the grief. You try to push it, push it, push it. And then if you put on a piece of music and all of a sudden it just grabs you and you think it's sad and beautiful and you feel it all, it's such, it's like a release valve, mm-hmm. right? And you get to feel it, which is what you got to do. You got to feel the emotion. We all know if we don't feel stuff, shit can go really sideways Mm -hmm. if you don't acknowledge that these are your feelings. So I think being separated from your own cruddy little story that you're spinning in your head is really important um, with grief and music. And so much of what we feel, I don't think there are words to express it anyways. Um, So wordless music i think is really really mm. wonderful for when you are a mess of emotions like there's four or five different emotions happening at the same time you don't even know what to call mm. how it is you feel i you just know? dove into uh i just dove into feel good lost a broken social scene album that i haven't listened to <laughs> in, uh, in a long time and so much yet just the last like the last week or so i've just had that album on repeat and it's such beautiful instrumental and it's and it music. has so many different layers oh my god it has so many different emotions it has so, it's it is this it is this uh it is this unbelievably beautiful journey that album actually what the you, what, that yeah. album is so good i play that we all we're all yoga teachers I play that album start, start to, finish to finish in in wow. my silent motion, like and my silent yoga best, classes. Those are the best albums when you can play yeah. them in a yoga class mm. and every you just gotta swap. You just gotta pull it the last song and put it somewhere else because it's a little too intense right little before Shavasana. Yeah. 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 Think of your favorite one hit wonder, or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have, or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now, what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. It's, it's so funny because the three of you just articulated the way that I feel about that album and how it applies to the specific experience of my life. I, I used to live in Dubai and I worked this kind of rat race of a job there and and uh, I would finish a long and stressful day and the first thing I'd want to do is get into the car and put that album on and that's exactly what it was. I was feeling all of these these emotions and, and I, I was caught up in the story of my day and the busyness and and when I put that on, it allowed me to disconnect from my story and just hear that. Mm. And Jerry, like you, you hit the nail on the head when you talk about the layers and that because it's so, um, so complex and rich and different sounds that I think that's what allowed me to really lose my focus from mm. from my own story and focus mm-hmm. on that emotion. It's, and oh, I love that album. And. They're fucking Canadian. So yeah. what's yeah. up with that? Yeah. 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 Pretty awesome. <laughs> Gotta say. I really I really liked um, what you said about what you said about the disconnecting of the stories. I thought that that was a total light bulb mind blown oh, moment. Yeah. Um, 
and one that I was very used to getting from the signal and recently from Wondercast. <laughs> I'm like when you'd introduce a song and I'd go, or when you this is a total tangent. When you'd introduce a song and it seemed like the most out there explanation or description for like how you're about to feel, and I go, Wow, I wonder what this song is gonna be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what right. is this song gonna be? Yeah, right. I hope um, eventually the connection was oh, made. Totally. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was the thing. Like, that, that was the like, thing. Like, it was like, you know, something, you know, some some thoughts around music that I would have never drawn, but it's but when when you when you say it, then you go, Oh wow. Um but it was uh, <laughs> but it was you know, there's something to be said about embracing about embracing the way that you feel. And I love, I, I kind of really love those two little distinctions you made. You, you can either use music to change your mood or, or to, or to match your mood. And I'm the same, I'm the same way for sure. And I'm, and I'm like that with movies too. It's the, sometimes it's the reason I, I'm a, I'm like a forever optimist and I'm, I'm very rarely in like a, in a, in a, in a down mood, even though there's a lot of, there's a lot of like down style music that I, that I love to listen to. Um, it's the reason why I, I've, I avoided movies like Lost in Translation for a while or like certain types of like Coen Brothers movies because I, I know the kind of vibe that they have. And, and I'm you like, know where you're going. Yeah, and I go, yeah. it doesn't really match how I'm feeling right That's now. That's Lars so. von Trier for me. I'm like, yeah. man, I'm going to watch this Lars von Trier movie. I, I, better, I, I better, better go into a dark room and just start beating myself <laughs> for an hour before I do. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and so I, I kind of like avoid some of those things, some movies and some music sometimes because it's like, well, it just doesn't match where I am right now. Yeah. Um, but embracing the way that you feel, embracing those emotions that we, that we attach a negativity to, mm-hmm. um, like grief or sadness or, well, I, I, I was just saying like broken social scene was, is, is that album for me, but Lori, do you have a, an album or a song in particular that, that you feel like would be a go-to song if you were in a moment of grief? Yeah, the uh, Patrick Watson. Wait, oh, okay, yeah. Patrick Watson is <laughs> yeah. amazing. Already on, I'm like <laughs> already down for this. <laughs> okay, well, it's even more complicated than that because it's not Patrick Watson playing with Patrick Watson. Oh. It's Patrick Watson with a UK outfit called the Cinematic Orchestra. Oh, oh my God. I know the song. So good. I know so, the I, song. I mean, it's so, so, so good. Again, <laughs> we can't even let her finish. We just I know. Finish it so much. I know. It's a classic yoga I think playlist, these guys too. Will I Okay, just one second, Lori. We're just going to talk about this for a second. No, no, no. (laughs) Let Lori take it. Take it away, Lori. Go ahead. It's called To Build a Home. And and in some ways, this is what the signal is and what Pondercast is, is creating a safe place of comfort where everything you feel and everything you think is normal and accepted and you can be as vulnerable as you have to be and want to be in that space. And to me, that song does it. And, you know, this is not a... a, It's being used everywhere. I've heard it in commercials. I've heard Mm -hmm. it in films. But it has struck such a chord um, that I have to say that that's one that I go to. That entire album Mm -hmm. is amazing. But you could also play pretty much anything by Patrick Watson in the band because it has that same thing. Mm -hmm. It is its own world. It's like... A flying dream. Mm-hmm. You know the dreams where you get to fly? Or I just find they're the best. Can't make them happen as much as I would like. <laughs> but it's just you're taking off to another place. And um, uh, anything by Patrick Watson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really is miraculous. Because we're also big fans of, of this of this song in general. If, if, we, if we can, and we can do it, we can play it. Um, why don't we say that we'll play To Build a Home? Is there any... Is there is there any way that that you can muster a a, a signal a signal style intro? Oh for the, yeah, signal style yeah. intro for the song. I felt like I felt like that was not a signal style, a ponder, a ponder cast, cast style. Ponder <laughs> cast style. Yeah. Hmm. There is a place that you have. It might not be in front of you. You might not have been there for a long, long time. But there is a place that you know in your heart and your head that feels like home. You may have never even experienced it yet, but you know that is the thing that you want to be moving towards. That is the place that you need to find for yourself. And it's in this song. This is To Build a Home. Patrick Watson and the Cinematic Orchestra. Thank you. 
That was so perfect. Sick Boy Podcast will be right back after this word from our sponsors. So when I went to high school, I, I competed on the, the improv team, a competitive improv. Wow. Which is so... What weapons did you use? Uh, well, we had uh, we have many tools at our disposal, you name it, and we could come up with it. Uh, and it was, it was actually one of the most... Um, it was one of the most liberating experiences I think I've had in my life in, 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 in working on the, in, in this team with, you know, eight other, um, very quick, very witty, very funny people. And just putting together these like beautiful scenes, putting together these very silly worlds and, and being really surprised by the things that just kind of flow out of us together as a team and, and you know, individually as well. Do you, have you always had this, uh, this ability to like feel pretty comfortable and just rifling off the top of your head, like something to say? Because, because when, you know, you were talking about how you don't, you generally tend not to write things and you just want things to come from the gut or from the heart. Um, and it seems, you know, if that is the case, when I'm listening to Pondercast, I mean, every second word that comes out of your mouth is like jaw droppingly beautiful. Like it's just, it's so, it's so amazing to listen to and it makes it that much more amazing to listen to when I now know that you haven't sat for, fuck five hours and like hammered out the writing. Like, how am I going to word this? Have you always had that ability? Um, I have the thing that I have always had is when I let go of stuff and when (laughs) I, when I stop trying, interesting things happen. Mm -hmm. And so if there is a great turn of phrase or something that happens, it happens, it comes from a place that I don't know where it is. Mm. I didn't, I usually don't consciously go for them and try mm-hmm. to piece them together. If something unconscious happens and then I surprise myself and I said, whoa, I didn't know I was that smart. And mm-hmm. I came up yeah. with that. Don't it's you a, love those moments where you, where you say to yourself, moments. wow, I'm, I'm smarter than I look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. I'm Jeremy, totally smarter Jeremy than does I look. All, all the time. time. <laughs> yeah, all the time. <laughs> wow. Well, he's a word like, uh, like I don't know. I can't even come up. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah, I don't even know what that means, but I'll use it in a sentence and I'll nail it somehow. Yes, nailed it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's about it's about letting go and it's about flow, right? It's just mm-hmm. about getting to a spot where and it's just the stuff that you think about when you're lying on the couch listening to music and mm-hmm. it's just where like you can come up with some great ideas. Mm-hmm. You can change the world. Like why isn't someone making this movie that I just thought up on my couch? Like it's yeah. fantastic. <laughs> this is a movie scene I just came up with and so I don't know. I am I think I get better at what I do all the time. Mm-hmm. And once I find the vein. Yeah, um, I like that. I like the, you know, finding the vein. Yeah, some well, someplace that feels true. Mm-hmm. And it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm always pulling and, and, and going a little further. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, it's like trying to hear something that's not quite there. When I put myself in that spot, that seems to be when... I come up with the stuff that I feel, okay, this is a world. I've created mm-hmm. a world. Mm-hmm. Have you ever felt like uh, you've had ever had to battle um, a sense of expectation by, you know, if you have, as the, as you know, you, you went forward with the signal over the years and you start introducing this music in this, in these ways that people are like, whoa, this is mind blowing the way that I'm, I'm now relating to this music. Did did you ever battle like an expectation that you felt like you you had to come up couldn't with these up, like yeah. yeah you couldn't keep it up with yeah. the, with this like with the way that you talk about music or did it always just kind of flow out or oh yeah there'd be days when I'd go in and I'd think I've got nothing mm-hmm. I yeah. have got nothing and then I would 
um, do something very risky, which is... A big old line of blow. And you're yeah. like, it's coming out now! I got it! <laughs> yeah, doing that in you the CBC quick. building. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> that is risky. I <laughs> would Maria Chimati comes by and she's like, yeah, she's like yeah. <laughs> Oh, God. We're oh. just lumping on CB, CBC radio hosts in with, in with yeah. doing blow at the CBC. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, no, I, what I would do... Never is, the blow. <laughs> is I would... Um, what I thought that I was going to say, because I, I would listen to music at home in the morning on my couch, and I would just listen, and where my mind went, I would just write down a bullet point of, okay, that's where I go with that, mm-hmm. and that's where I go with that. Cool. And then so then I'd go in, and I'd remember the bullet point, I'd see it, and i go, okay, and now spin a story. Yeah. When I felt flat and nothing was going, I would forget all the bullet points. I would play the music and I would say, you're just going to talk when this is over. Mm. And that's it. And stuff would come out. Yeah, I think that that is a... I I hope that if there's one thing that people take from this conversation is is that. Like the, the, the... It is... It is so valuable in life in all regards just to just to take some time to and you were kind of speaking to it earlier taylor just to like drop all the armor drop all the bullshit that we build up in front of ourselves and like ask yourself if you are even capable of just being fully authentic and just letting your like feelings and your thoughts like freely flow out of you like i just i I don't know, the, the, the older that I get, you know, the further that we go with this project that we're doing, the more I'm starting to realize how life-changing that can be to really just be your true, authentic self and to totally own all of all aspects of yourself. That's when doors just start opening and mm-hmm. the things that you want to do happen and the things that you don't want in your life shed away. And, and it's exactly. kind of like... We're- we're, we are all perfectly imperfect. I have that in cursive writing written on my wall. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. Brian we're going to get that in cursive writing across your chest yeah, later. Yeah. Too. Perfectly imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. And spelled wrong. I yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfectly <laughs> imperfect. With all due respect. I feel like there is... Um, <laughs> yeah, then that's what we're... We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to do that with this show, and we try to do that every time we sit down is... We come into these conversations, and now you're like you're experiencing it, like not not a zero, little to zero prep. You know, we know who the person is. We have like a general, like tiny little bit of background on them, and then we just sit down and we just let the conversation flow. Mm-hmm. We say hello, how you doing? Uh, what's going on? What's going on with yeah. you? And, and so far, it's worked. And they say something, yeah. and then we say something back, and then it's just a, it's <laughs> just everybody's fl- talking, and then it's everyone's talking, and that's how a conversation works. <laughs> um, but uh, but it 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 always tends to go in this direction that holds a lot of meaning, and I think that it's mm. because you, we we kind of come into these conversations with very little expectation of how or where they're going to go, and that allows for them to go into really great places. Well, dude, my my goal has always been with this is, is to recreate, you know, those moments like was it, you could be on a, on a road trip and you're driving through the middle of the night and you're with like a, a few people in a car and, and everybody's a little bit overtired and a little bit restless and, and you're talking, but you end up exploring these, these such interesting places of, of conversation and these interesting places of, of, of thought with one another. And, and you feel so connected because of that, because you're letting your mind wander to those places that you don't generally do when you're having this mundane conversation that we tend to have on mm-hmm. on a day to day basis. And when you're able to explore that, there's this connection that's created that that just makes you feel closer to one another. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like that's what we have here, this ability to find that connection in one another. It makes me feel like closer to you guys. Like yeah. I love you. Oh, Bri. Lori, look what you guys are doing now. You guys all gushing, we love you too. gushing all over each other. We crush on each other all the time. Um, Lori, <laughs> I, I am interested to know like what has been the most challenging um, experience that you've gone through 
emotionally in, in your life, whether it's related to sickness or not? Um, I think it was definitely the end of my marriage and sort of rebuilding a whole new life after that. Um, is, sick- is that where the... Sorry to interrupt you. Is that... Was this wrapped up in the story of of the second episode of Pondercast? Was that a yeah. real life experience? Yeah. Was- yeah. I would do that night running at night, you know, mm. and, and I would just get up and do that. I'd... Um, because I felt a massive like authenticity. Yeah, that was real from that story. Yeah, uh, and we all know that you know waking up at three o'clock in the morning and my God, the world is falling apart and it's just the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. Um, but definitely that part for me. But you know, it was the making of me. I am so glad I went through that. Mm. It was awful and. I, it didn't kill me. It set me off on a, on a path of growth that it would be awful if I never experienced that Mm -hmm. and didn't get to who I am and, and what I'm doing now. It would be terrible. I wouldn't have gotten the full, the full Monty of life if I hadn't experienced all of that. Um, Sickness. My mother died <coughs> of ovarian cancer um, a year after I had my first child. She was young. She's young. She died. She was younger than I am um, when she died. So I've always had this fear <laughs> of cancer mm-hmm. and uh, and wanting to make it to the same age and past the age that my mother was when she died. And I hit that a couple of years ago. So it's interesting how that changes your perspective when you, you know, you're always, you're always waiting for it. And as you get older, you guys will experience this in that everyone around you has got a thing, you know, everyone's got a thing Mm -hmm. and you think, what's my thing going to be? You know what your thing is. Yeah. My thing's sound effects. (laughs) <laughs> a T-Rex, like, I love that. I love that commercial. That old, oh, commercial. oh, wait, CF. Right, sorry. I thought we were, <laughs> thought we were talking about that classic uh, commercial. Uh, anyway, sorry, uh, <laughs> but we're all waiting to find out what our thing is. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's you know, right. that's right. So, and and there's a terror to that that needs to be managed, mm. and and or managed is the wrong word. It needs you need to be curious about it, mm. and you need to figure out what that is about. And you need to explore it. Um, so we're all waiting to figure out what our thing is mm-hmm. and what is going to be that big, big physical challenge mm-hmm. in our lives. What are we going to have to deal with? Mm-hmm. I, lo- I love that you put it that way, that you have to be curious about it. Mm-hmm. It's just it, it. It's not negative you, and it's it make, not positive. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't push it away. Yeah. The, the thing is, if it, it, it's it's. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen to all of us. And so, you know. And to, you can't transcend it. You nope. can't You can't get away from it. No. You can't change. You can't put on a track or a film that makes you feel a different way and have it yeah. go away. No. Yeah, yeah exactly. See, yeah. The, what I love about what you guys are doing is that death has been taken out of life in mm. our culture. Mm-hmm. We have shoved it so far to the side and we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to see it. Mm. We don't want to see illness. We don't want to be around people who are close to dying or that are, are obviously got illness. We, we have removed death from life. Mm. When in fact, death and illness and everything is such a huge part of life. Mm-hmm. There is so much life in, in death. death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you learn all your lessons yeah. about life, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the, uh, you're bringing it back into the realm of conversation. It's mm-hmm. part of life, and it needs to be talked about all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. there's a quote that I that I that I love, and uh, it was it was a part of the it was a part of the TED talk this past weekend. Um, but it's it's a Mark Twain quote, and it's the fear of death follows from the fear of life. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time, mm-hmm. and I just like. Oh, that quote just hits me so deep. Mm-hmm. Like every time I think about that quote, it's, it is exactly that. It's, you're just, you're, it, we, we have to be able to put life into yeah. the concept of death. 
it's and it's I so vital that. too. I think about that all the time, and that <coughs> you know, not not especially for any like you know people with fears of, of flying. Don't don't read too much into this. But you know, if you've ever been on a flight that <laughs> is having crazy turbulence, mm-hmm. and and something in your brain just goes, if, just saying, if, <laughs> yeah. I'm okay. So Dennis, stop listening right now. Yeah, Dennis. Yeah, Ten, Brian's or, brother or Bridie or Brian, Beckett. Like, yeah. yeah, there's so many people. I just, you know, I've and I've done that. I've done that several times where I've where I've where I've been on a flight and the turbulence gets crazy and there's nothing really that is other than just the plane shaking. But you know, then you go. I've thought to myself very calmly. Okay. Okay. If yeah. if it had to right now, if it had to come to an end, I'd be okay. I've got Kyla sitting beside me, and. Bummer for her. Yeah, she's like, I'm not ready. She's like, I'm not ready. I'm like, that's nah, cool. Um, yeah, I've it's okay. Always, I'm okay with that. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, don't worry. Don't worry, love. It's all good. I'm cool. Lori, um, one one of the so we ask a question to a lot of our guests that come in, and and we relate it specifically to their illness, but because we were talking so much about Pondercast and so much about you know how music has played such a vital role in your life. I want to I want to word it a, uh, a little bit differently f- for for you today. So, what would you say your love of music has? Oh, maybe this doesn't work. It's a bit of a silly question. What would you say your love of music has taken away from your life? It <laughs> <laughs> does sound it crazy. does sound awful. But maybe I don't know. Maybe. You know, it makes sense when someone has terminal cancer, and I say, "What has your terminal cancer taken away from you?" It's like, <laughs> "Oh, well, that's fucking easy." A bunch of my life, uh, but if there's a, if there's an answer, I don't know. Maybe there is one. What has okay? This is a, this is a very difficult question. What is your love of music taken up? away from your life? You could you, you could say nothing. Yeah, you're allowed to say it, nothing. I, I'm going to go for it because okay. what yeah. the hell? Yeah. It is taken away a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety. Mm. It has taken away my worries of fitting in, um, being perfect, doing better. Uh, it, it has taken away a lot of the rat race of modern life. That's what love of music has done for me. Mm-hmm. Taken away from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, even harder question. What has your love of music given you? It's given me a creative life. It's, and as a, as a job and as a profession, it has given me that. But as a person, it has also given me a creative life. Because when I listen to music, I go to a very creative place. And it's an inspirational place. And I want to, I just want to be there all the time, which makes me an impossible daydreamer and night dreamer and everything else. But that's where I want my my brain to be is in that in that headspace. Mm. I love that. Well, this has been uh, quite an honor. Uh, back at you guys. <laughs> thank you. you. Honestly, thank you. Like to to have uh, just an hour to sit down and and chat and get to know you has been uh, definitely a highlight of mm-hmm. our sick boy career. So, well, thank you so much. You guys have made yourself um, a, made made me aware of you for many years, <laughs> and uh, yeah, sometime when I get to Halifax and do a live Pondercast show, you got to come. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, we'll bring everyone we know. Thank you, um, <laughs> and thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with another fascinating episode, of course. And in the meantime, two things. Number one, before you do anything else, head on over to Apple Podcasts, look up Pondercast, and hit the subscribe button. Uh, If you do that, then go over to Sick Boy Podcast and hit subscribe. But more importantly, do Pondercast uh, and give it a listen. Uh, Right now, there might be another episode out now, but right now there's three episodes and all three of them are uh, completely different, beautiful journeys into the human experience and it's all linked together with f- fucking dreamy ass music. And <laughs> if you so want to, if you, if you, if you like going to, if you like going to bed with a, with a smooth, 
amazing voice to help you lull into <laughs> sleep. Uh, Pondercast is definitely one of those ones that can help you there. Um, it's become my like, it's be, it's be, your, your podcast has become my like, uh, my teddy bear. Or like my blankie. <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good way, that's to, put a great way to put it. Uh, so head on over to iTunes. Uh, give a subscribe to uh, both us and Pondercast. And uh, if you want to support us, uh, you can. Head on over to patreon.com slash sickboy. We've been totally killing it with Patreon lately. Uh, and we want to keep that support rolling. We are in Toronto right now sitting here with Lori. And we are here because of your support on Patreon for everyone um, who is on there supporting us. So thank you and head on over to patreon.com slash sick boy. And uh, thank you to take part for the theme music of the show. You can check out their music at takepartinthis.bandcamp.com. And also big thanks to Donovan Morgan for the amazing sound design and to Antica Productions for the studio space here in Toronto. And thanks to Cinema, the Cinematic, Cinematic Orchestra. Orchestra. And maybe if we can play that, I don't even know. Patrick Watson, thanks. Like, high five. So glad <laughs> yeah. that you let us use your music, maybe. <laughs> Please don't sue us. Uh, that is it for this week. Until next week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And I'm Jeremy. And this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.